0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is February 2nd, 2023. Can't believe it's already February. And I'm joined as usual by IPI's resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. Dr. Matthews, today we're going to talk about a piece that you wrote On the high costs of educating children of illegal immigrants. And I want to just sort of start with the preface that we know that our immigration system is broken, badly broken. Um, Part of the reason people come illegally is that it's so difficult to come legally. It's not the whole reason, but that's part of it. We at the Institute for Policy Innovation have been generally in favor of legal immigration. We think immigration uh, is a good thing for the country. It brings more workers, Immigration is a form of self-selection, where the kind of people who want to be Americans are the kind of people you, you'd like to have here, et cetera, et cetera. But we do have an enormous problem right now with completely uncontrolled illegal immigration. And you wrote a piece where you thought through the costs of just simply educating all of these children of illegal immigrants. So Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. So uh, our listeners are going to be aware that a number of blue city mayors and governors have sort of uh, dismissed the notion that the cost of illegal immigration is a burden upon states. They were doing that until Governor Abbott, Governor Ducey, Governor DeSantis started sending people to those illegal immigrants to some of these cities, Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago and others. Whereupon those blue city mayors started complaining about how expensive this was, and and there is a lot of expense to it. But I argue that that's only part of the expense. Taking care of people who are just initially coming in, there are some costs there. But the long let's let's talk about those
0: costs for let's talk about those costs for a second. Those immediate direct costs are probably just like housing, food, and medical care, right? Right. And maybe even clothing or something like that. So those are those are probably the the immediate costs that those blue city mayors were complaining about. Um, but you were looking at a more sort of long term ongoing cost that tends to get glossed over.
1: Right, because a lot of benefits end up flowing to them, especially if they're going to be here several years while, they're, um, uh, while their cases are being adjudicated. So uh, one of those is the cost of education, because under our system, uh, you don't have to be here legally. If your children, school-aged children, you're able to go to public school at taxpayer expense. And so I just – and, and it, the backstory on this is in 1975 – Texas passed legislation uh, denying state funds to public education for children who are who had come to the country illegally.
0: And we should Uh, point out, by the way, that in 1975, Texas was a blue state. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not a red state. <laughs> it's a very good
1: point. And uh, so so Texas had passed the legislation. There were uh, class action suits filed against the state. Uh, the courts generally agreed with the plaintiffs in that case, and it went to the Supreme Court in 1982. And in Plyler versus Doe, the court decided that Texas had violated the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause. And so the result of that decision is that all children, school age children in the United States, whether they are here legally or illegally, have the right to a public education at taxpayer expense. And I point out, you know, whether you whether you agree or disagree with the court's decision, whether you think that its reasoning was right, if you've got children here, you probably want them being educated because they may end up being here for a long time. They may end up becoming permanent
0: citizens. Yeah, so it's, you... a, it's, it's, a, it's a good point because— um, it's entirely possible that, that a, a different Supreme Court would have ruled differently on that right. case. But nonetheless, as you point out, I mean, if they're going to be here, it's, it's, it's in our interest as well as theirs for them to get educated.
1: Right. So I just said, all right, well, if, if we're doing that, what, what kind of cost does that impose upon the system? And so when you go and you look at uh, the cost that we have right now, federal, state and local government spend about $720.9 billion annually on public education. That works out to be on average across the country, $14,840 per pupil for K-12 public education. So about uh, nearly $15,000. So it's a lot of money. But of course, that varies significantly by state. Uh, as it stands right now, the federal government only pays a small portion of that, a little over 7%, whereas the rest of the money is spent primarily between state and local governments. So the irony here is, even though the federal government is in charge of immigration policy and enforcing that, When it comes to education, it's the states and the local governments that bear the cost of educating those children,
0: which might be a clue as to why the federal government uh, hasn't necessarily felt the need to to uh, intervene and be more aggressive at the border. Is it is that the costs, as you point out, are by and large absorbed by the states and the cities, not by the federal government? Right. It's it's the states and the cities that are hit most with this. So
1: th- when you start trying to estimate, OK, what it, it's it's going to be difficult because, number one, we know that these uh, the immigrants, the children are being shipped by the federal government or they're transferring themselves to various states in the country. And education, public education costs vary significantly. So uh, in New York, the average cost to educate a child is twenty four thousand dollars a year. In Utah, which is the least expensive, it's seven thousand six hundred dollars a year. So about a three to one difference. And of well, course, that's huge,
0: boy, that's a huge spread. It's a huge spread. Let's just camp out for a second and notice how much that how much of a spread that is. And you know, you you expressed it. I'm sure it was technically correct the the cost of educating, but I think it might be better to point out that that's what they spend. Well, that's right per pupil, because it, there's probably not that big of an actual spread in what it actually costs to educate a child between Utah and New York. It's it's going to cost more to live in
1: New York, so you would expect a New York cost to be higher even on a a level yeah. playing field. But,
0: yeah. but, but probably, probably just, not three times as much.
1: <laughs> probably not three times as much. And arguably, the the kids in Utah are probably getting a better education yeah, than, no doubt. than no in doubt. New York. Yeah, no doubt. So anyway, you have that kind of difference. And we because it's it's so varied by the state, we don't know where all these kids are going. So that's your first challenge is not knowing what how much you could uh, sort of estimate uh, on the cost of that. And secondly, you have the uh, we don't know how many children we're talking about. Um, So just looking at the numbers uh you, you have roughly for last year, the fiscal year 2022, you had about 2.4 million people come into the United States and were apprehended on the border. The officers, the Custom Patrol and so forth, they ended up sending a number of them back. Depending upon the estimates, it varies a little bit, but roughly a little, maybe 800 to 900, a 1,000, maybe a million And then from that, you had another 600,000 that came across that weren't uh, apprehended. They avoided border patrol. So when you put those two together, you're looking at, uh, well, really probably uh, 2.1 million or so people here that we're looking at. And then you have to estimate, all right, how many of those are children? And there are some estimates out there, but roughly a third to maybe 35, 36 percent, when you break that down, you get down to about 777,000. And then I ask the question, all right, well, not all of those are school-aged children. Some of them are, are very small. So I come up with an estimate of about 513,000. For okay, so
0: sports. that's so That's, that's nationwide. Nationwide. 513,000 513, children of illegal immigrants.
1: <laughs> newly, in, newly entered immigrants from last year who would be eligible for going to
0: school because they're school-aged children. Okay. So that's not total children of illegal immigrants. That's just right. the, the latest one. So there, so we know, for instance, that there are already children of illegal immigrants that may have been here for, you know, five, 10 years.
1: Oh, or longer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and when you see the pictures of them coming across, it's oftentimes, I mean, there's a lot of young men who come across, but it's oftentimes families. You'll see a woman, uh, a, a man, and maybe two or three children. A lot of them are pregnant. Uh, so you have um, people coming across with uh, you know with different needs on the kids. So just because we don't know where they're going in the states, I just took that 513,000 and multiplied at time the average, which was at 14,840, 14,840. And that gets you about $7.6 billion to uh, coming out of uh, state and local budgets to educate one year's uh, influx of illegal gr- immigrants. Now, since we, even though they're going out to many states, perhaps all states, we know they still tend to be concentrated in a handful of states. So it'll be the the burden really falls on a relatively small number of states and cities that are having to pay the cost of this. And as I said, you know, you you it's a big number. We want to be able to have kids who are coming. We want a system that works, as you suggest, so that you can make all this uh, work out. But the uh, I, I have heard people step up and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. These people are coming to work, so they're paying taxes. That's offsetting the cost of this education. But in fact, that's not the case in the vast majority because you have to have an authorization. You have a work have to have a work permit authorization when you come here. And even those who are coming and filing for asylum claims and so forth have to go through a process. And in the best of times, that could take six to eight months. In some cases, they think it may take a year now before they're even allowed to work for an employer. Uh, so they're oftentimes having to go and stay with other people, with relatives. And all they have to do is take the kids to the school, show them a some kind of address that they're staying at, and the kids are able to be able to start public school. So they're not paying. They may eventually be paying taxes, but they're, for the most part, not paying taxes now to offset those costs.
0: You know, ironically, I think maybe 20 years ago the assumption that well they may be illegal but they're they're paying taxes and that offsets the cost it may have been more true 20 years ago but what we've done since then is we have cracked down on employers you know we've come up with all sorts of id systems we've made it a crime to employ someone who's not a citizen or has a green card or whatever and so as contrasted with 20 years ago i think today you're right that probably a significant number of recent immigrants Are not able to work or they're working off the books. They're working under the table for somebody, in which case you're not paying taxes. So if if you're sitting around on some form of relief or welfare, you're not paying taxes. If you're working in the underground economy, you're not paying taxes.
1: Now, Texas may be a little better off than many other states because we have a state tax, a state sales tax and not an income tax. So it's probably been 20 years ago or so that the state tried to do an assessment of this, looking at the cost on the healthcare system and looking at other things. And and they came out, the state came out saying it was roughly a wash that because we have a, uh, a sales tax and a property tax, which if you're staying and renting someplace, you're paying the property tax through that rental, uh, that it was probably a net wash in what immigrants were paying in taxes versus what they were receiving in taxes. I don't know that that was still true. The problem, it said at the time, was that most of the services, health care, and other things are served at the at the local level, but the state sales tax was going to the state and not to the local area. So even there, you might have that sort of disparity there. And the point I was just trying to make here was that there are major costs that come With immigrants, there are major benefits that come with immigrants. That's, I I think, most of us would say absolutely the case. They bring benefits to the society and their energy, uh, oftentimes youth, willingness to work and a lot of jobs that some people don't want to take, uh, innovation and other things. Having said that, they also come with some cost. And those costs, because of our heavy welfare state and the cost of education, those costs can be significant.
0: And, and again, I want to go back to the comparison like 20 years ago. The current wave of illegal immigration that we're having right now is, is very much being treated like an asylum system yeah. rather than a system of, you know, laborers from other countries. It's really being treated like an asylum system. And so because that's the framework that the federal government is using again there's no re- there's no need there's no compelling reason to press them into work right because they're being treated as asylum seekers rather than immigrants now we should really emphasize that the numbers that you that you have mentioned are at best guesstimates they're based on you know you 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 have basically tape you know strung together four or five estimates and come up with an estimate based on those estimates. And so we right. we would never claim any degree of sort of accuracy with that number. The point is really I guess twofold. First of all, the thought experiment number 1 and then number 2. The point is that there is a significant cost here. Right. And it might it might not be the number that you came up with, but it's a number and it's going to be big. There's e- there's a chance it's even bigger than the number you came up with. And so we should be we should be taking into account that, you know, everybody focuses, I think, on the political costs of illegal immigration. The fact that it's such a big political dispute, uh, but it does impose enormous costs on state and local governments, uh, including you know these education costs.
1: If, if we knew the large majority of them were moving to Utah, where you have the lowest per cost, right. uh, then that that number just just that because of the of the cost at the state would be significantly lower. So yes. They'd, We would encourage anybody else who wants to spend more time with this and has better access to better data to actually take a look at it as well. But if you're bringing roughly 500, 550,000 new school age children in in one year, and as we've stressed, this is this is one year. uh, That's a huge cost on the system. And to a point you made a minute ago. Years ago, most of the immigration was young men coming to work, and then they were sending their money back or taking it back when they went back. Uh, Sometimes they were working in the open economy, sometimes not, but they were coming. It was young men coming to work. What I think we've seen lately here, and this is pointed out in the data that I supply there, is a huge increase in the number of children who are coming, because there, there are they're people who are, who realize that the system and the Washington Post realized this the uh, in an editorial, I think yesterday or the day before, where they say it looks like some of these people are actually trying to take advantage of the system. <laughs> and that's exactly right. They're coming to take advantage of the system. They know the system is uh, is dysfunctional, bogged down. You're liable to be able to stay for several years before any kind of hearing comes up on your uh, refugee status or asylum status. And by that time, you may have a, a a group Congress and a president who are willing to make them all citizens anyway. And you, you may very well, because these are young families have had one or two children here who are now uh, American citizens. And that hasn't necessarily stopped, uh, custom and Border Patrol from sending people back in the past, but it certainly creates a more sympathetic reason for uh, somebody being able to grant be granted citizenship.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the way that the way that the federal government is enforcing the laws and the regulations right now, it actually encourages people with children to to come across the border because you know you had that whole furore over the Trump administration's family separation policy. Mm-hmm. The reason they were the reason they were doing that is that we have specific laws and regulations and court decisions that say children of illegal immigrants when they come across the border have to be treated in a certain way. So, you know, you're you're more likely, I think, to be received the way you want to be received if you're coming across the border with a child than you do if you're just coming across the border as an able-bodied single man. Right. And, you know, we've even heard anecdotes about, um, you know, people claiming children that were not even their own so that they could ease the process of getting across the border. Now, our topic today has not been just an overall discussion of all the problems of the immigration system, uh, but rather just this one portion of the expense that is imposed on municipal and state governments because of illegal immigration and that being higher cost on education. Well, we would invite you to check out our website at IPI.org where you can find some policy information about immigration, and you can find some some also some some resources on education and education funding. You can sign up there if you'd like to receive notices of all of our podcasts, content, and upcoming events, and you can also donate there if you choose to. If you've enjoyed this podcast, How about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You could also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.